Okay, well, at this time, I think the children are going to be dismissed to junior church as they go and nursery. I see Brooklyn heading down. And the rest of us are going to open to Acts chapter 4. Wow, that was, that was priceless. <laughs> Mom told him, hold him to spit the gum out, and he spit it out and put it in her hand. <laughs> Acts chapter 4. It, uh, there really is a lot in this narrative, but uh, as I was thinking about this week and spending a little time uh, across the road there on my different day and pulling nails for hours, uh, one point that kind of come, come to mind as we're reading through this, and it comes from the last part of, of the chapter, if you were to come down to verse 31 of Acts chapter 4. Um, it really is a fascinating, and I hope, I hope we get there, but... Um, it says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all, it says all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I don't think anybody in that room was given permission not, not to or not to want to, <laughs> or, or even like the inability of, of no, not today trying to think of all the other things that people like I don't feel comfortable um, it, that's not me I don't, I don't read that here right it, it says all of them spoke the word of God with boldness um, not all of them from pulpits right I understand there would have been women and, and people that aren't public speakers but but they spoke the word of God with boldness so from that the point from this morning just uh, we'll repeat it a few times can God's people speak the word of God, right? So we would say that, is that happening in our churches today, right? Do they want to? Is that something there that's like at their priority, like I really want to understand my scriptures and speak for him? Is that what we're seeing in North American churches, Carl? No, and, and we see the, the ramifications of that with our empty pews and different things like that. So let's step into the narrative, I'll pray. And uh, it is, again, fascinating. The more I read it, and I mean, I've taught through it three years. I've read a lot of different textbooks on it. But I mean, the humanity, setting the scene, seeing what's going on in the narrative, I, I'm almost going to have to pry myself away from it. So I'm going to try and get through as much as I can this morning, um, just how beautiful it is. Dear Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would lead us this morning, Lord, that we would read these words, understanding that they're yours. Um, the models that are given, Lord, uh, we have to be flexible with models, but Lord, the, the function is a command. Lord, as these men uh, stand before their authorities, Lord, as they, they pray for boldness, as they speak the word of God with boldness, these things aren't optional. Lord, this is what you left us to do. And Lord, in many ways, I want to say I'm sorry because we are not. And that's why our school systems are teaching what they're teaching. That's why our governments are doing what they're doing, because your church is silent. And they're not declaring, they're not upholding your word. Lord, I pray that there would be a boldness that comes in our midst, Lord, from understanding, uh, from understanding the scriptures, understanding how your spirit works. And I pray that we wouldn't try this on our own, Lord, that we would do this together. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. 
Okay, well, Acts chapter 4, um, I think I'm just going to start into verse 1, uh, but the message this morning, yeah, anyway, we're, we're going to have to fast track this a little bit. So it says, now as they spoke to the people, the priests and captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed, they had taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, this is their government, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed. Okay, remember last, I closed last Sunday with, you know, we have to have something tangible for that. It's not just the word, they believe the Bible, let's move on, because that does not establish someone in what is needed to believe. And as these apostles preached, they presented the Old Testament messianic prophecies, right, pointing towards God's Christ, his anointed chosen one, his Messiah anointed chosen one. They presented Isaiah 53. I mean, each time, I mean, whether it's the, the government or whatever, like you killed God's servant, so you've got Messianic prophecies, Isaiah 53, and then they, they, they very clearly identify that there is wrath coming, right? My sharing the gospel verses, John 20, 31. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, right, from the Old Testament through, right, the Son of God, Davidic covenant, that these things, these are you may believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name right very 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 clear verse 4 however many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000 and it came to pass on the next day that the rulers elders and scribes as well as Annas and high priest Caiaphas John and Alexander as many as were the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem these are the same ones that had crucified tried Jesus 60 days before Right? The same one that Jesus had gone before. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked him, by what power or by what name have you done this? That's the miracle of Acts chapter 3. Right? The worst case scenario for them was that King Jesus is alive, that God raised him just as he said he would. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel... If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who's he speaking to? Yeah, Jews, the Sanhedrin, their, their leadership, I'd say their, their provincial government, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before the, you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. I want you to think Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that stone that comes and, and smashes that statue to bits. The Jew was looking for this stone. Okay, Psalm 118, same thing. That's going to be a deliverance. There's going to be a battle, day of the Lord. This stone would become the chief cornerstone of God's messianic kingdom. Verse 12, nor is there salvation from what? It's coming wrath. God's setting up his kingdom. Salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we 
must be saved. How do we step into a relationship with God? It's by faith. Jesus died on that cross. His blood paid the price for sins. I, when I place my faith in him, that he was buried, he rose again on the third day, he's at the right hand, I receive that clean slate. I'm saved from my sin. But the narrative as we go through Scripture is I'm also saved from this coming wrath. I'm saved from eternal separation from God. I'm saved from hell, yes. But the narrative is this wrath is imminent and we have been saved from it. There's no other way to escape it other than through faith in Christ. There's a lot of aspects of being saved and we focus on, on one or two and sometimes just because it preaches well. Verse 13, now when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Folks, just because they didn't have a PhD doesn't mean they didn't read their scriptures. These men had a handle on their Old Testament scriptures and the words of Jesus. Why? Because they sought it. Right? They lived it. They desired it. They loved God. They loved his commandments. They loved Jesus. They heeded those things. Just because they couldn't engineer a, a suspension bridge, <laughs> right, has nothing to do with their understanding of God and how they walked. They were fishermen. I don't know how many years of schooling you have to go through to be a fisherman, but they knew their scriptures. Right? Same as farmers back then. They, could, they would plow their fields, but they, the Jewish farmers knew their scriptures because they loved God. Nothing to do with courses or counseling and Anne's finishing their first block and she's so, so exhausted. I mean, that's a, they still knew their scriptures and that's important. What's the last part of that verse say? And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it because the, the signs and wonders, miracles, authenticated the message. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. God's working, the Spirit's working, the apostles working, the beginning of the ecclesia or the church is working. Guess what? The government could say nothing against it. Right? There, there's nothing could be. Look at what they're doing. Look at what God's doing. There's no other explanation for it when a, a believer and, and Christ's church is doing what Christ is leading in. It's the way it's supposed to work. Right? There's supposed to be a clear division, and it's unmistakable what God is doing. Verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people, it says, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, Sanhedrin, government, more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. 
For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. How do you think that conversation went? (laughs) Do you think it was like, oh, you couldn't believe there the wisdom and the knowledge coming out of those men in that room? No, not at all. It would have been more like, I can't believe these guys are running our country. I can't believe the same ones that, that crucified our Christ, they're still not understanding how clear the Scriptures are. They have no desire for the things of God. All right, the conversation, now, I, we know that it would have been done righteously, right? Or at least we assume so, but there is some humanity to that. But think of that conversation. Because a government that's not leading for Christ is being led by who? Satan, right? A secular government, right, is not being led, not being led by the Spirit of Christ when it casts aside the Word of God, all right? And that is such an important aspect to approach this with. Verse 24, so when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. We just sang about that who by the mouth of your servant David's have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Is this what your government's doing now? Very, very openly, right? Very clearly, there is an agenda against anything to do with God. The kings of the earth took their stand And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, his anointed chosen one. It's been the story of of humanity, right? Whether it's a Christ as God sent him prophets, anointed chosen ones, or whether it's, it's Christ in his earthly ministry, or even when he comes back in his messianic kingdom, there is still going to be an aspect of humanity that rises up at the end and shakes their fist at Christ ruling over them. Satan leads people to hate God. Pretty simple. Verse 27 says this, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, that's an Isaiah term, right? Suffering servant, servant psalms, song, sorry. Whom you anointed at the baptism, both Herod and Pontus and Pilate and Gentiles and the Pilate peoples of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, these men are praying, and there's women in their midst, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that they, with all boldness, they may speak your word. That should be one of the major priorities of all Christianity, shouldn't it? Every church, every individual believer should be aspiring to seek and be able to speak the word of God in in these times, in any time, whether it's parenting, counseling, conversations. had a conversation this week. When did that become just a pastor's job? When was that hired out? One of our main agendas is to be equipped to speak the word of God regardless 
of what's going on, regardless of position, regardless of age. That with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus, right, as they apostolically went forth. And I mean, we do know that God works in powerful supernatural ways today, but we recognize the power for the believers comes from where? It says through, doesn't it, as we read that verse? It says through. Where, where does the power come? Through the name of your holy servant Jesus, straight from the throne, straight from the right hand of the Father through the Spirit, authenticating these messages. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Right? How much of the New Testament's written? Not much. <laughs> I mean, you got the words of Jesus being lived in real time. What were they doing? They were, they were mining the Old Testament scriptures. They were describing who God is, his program for man's place and his presence, and they were pointing to Christ who had just died on the cross. It says all of them were doing that. It's coming to our notes. We don't have very much time, so we won't get into them too much, so nobody fret. But can people, maybe I should have said, can God's people in the church speak the word of God and really do they want to? And I would ask that question this morning. Is that a desire on your heart? To be used, to be able to speak, to be able to use in counseling, to be able to share, to say, hey, you know what? Our hearts are hurting. Let's open the word and edify. Let's, let's open the word and learn. Let me show you Jesus. Is that on your heart? Because it certainly, certainly needs to be. Yeah, there's no way I can step into those notes. Um, so I'm just going to, I think, I think just with that text before us, um, we hit some very, very pertinent points as we walk through. There's just too much in there. Uh, but on my heart there this week, this may be closing with that, they spoke the word of God in boldness, just at the bottom. In the average church, how many people are willing and able to speak and teach the word of God? at any kind of life events. Part of me as I was thinking this week is how quiet the church was during COVID. How, how even oppressive the church was during COVID. Now, not, don't, I'm not pointing fingers and saying our church, church as a whole. I mean, pastors were being told, no, you sit down and shut up. Those doors will be shut. We will not cause a scene and we will not ripple the pond waters, right? Because the government is telling us to do these things. Right? Regardless on where every part, that was what happened. There was no boldness. There was very little emphasis on speaking the word. In a time of unprecedented need, mental illness, spiritual needs, I mean the whole nine yards, the church was silent. That's concerning. Right? So we come back, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but in the average church, how many people are willing and able to speak and teach the Word of God at or during any kind of life events? And the results of that would indicate you know, the temperature, the maturity, 
how much the people of God there read their Bibles at home, the desire to learn, the desire to connect the dots. A pastor leads the flock in those things. He can't do it for them. So if that's not taking place, if the, the, the speaking the word of God with boldness isn't taking place, then the, the natural conclusion would be, what is leading the church then? Right? What is, what, who is leading the church? And I think that's going to be about the extent of it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do read this, and I thank you that this passage is very, very clear. I thank you for how it it led myself and my conversations, Lord, how we, we discussed it as deacons, Lord, during the COVID era, Lord, on how our government is not leading for you. Lord, it has no desire for the things of you. Our society has no desire for the things of you. Lord, our, many of our families are getting caught up in the, the, the secular, secular scene. And Lord, I, I would pray this morning, just reading through this whole chapter, that we would see the desperate need for your authority, desperate need to see you at work, and the desperate need to understand your words so that we can speak it and proclaim it, Lord. It is, it is, the, it is the sword. And Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts. Lord, we would understand that this isn't something there that um, we get a free pass away from. Lord, if we don't deal with it, if we don't engage in it, Lord, Satan will take that place and opportunity. So my prayer is for each one in this room that we would sit and be quiet and think about where we fit in to that principle. Do we speak your word with boldness? Do we speak with wise counsel from your truth? Do we engage with people there, both loved ones and people that we come in contact with, drawing your lines in their lives? And Lord, if we're not, Lord, I pray that you would burden us to, to seek and learn how. Lord, and I pray that you would bring us together in this, this spiritual community to be a force to be reckoned with. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.